Well, y'all, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about speaking to you today. I'm very, very excited. Um, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, I want to kind of catch you up to where we are. So we've been in this series. It's the second longest series that I've ever preached, collection series, whatever it is that you want to say, of messages. And the series has been called, help me out, Back to the Basics. And the, the thought process for bringing this, this message, this message of, this series of messages, is that I believe with all of my heart that we have, we have lost some of the basic things in the Bible. Anybody else? I believe that the church of Jesus in America, probably across the world, but definitely in America, has cracks all in the foundation because we're supposed to stay on, build on this foundation of Jesus. And the Bible says when the foundation is good and the bedrock is good, as a matter of fact, let me read you the scripture real quick. In Matthew chapter seven and verse 24, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching, somebody say listens, and follows it is wise. Everybody say wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse. Why will it not collapse? Because it was built on bedrock, on the, the solid foundation. And then verse 26, but anyone who hears my teachings and does not obey is foolish. Everybody say foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse. I believe that there's a lot of churches, that a lot of the church of Jesus in the United States are, are on the verge of collapsing because there's cracks all in the foundation of where we're building our church. And so what I'm saying is for your life, for your family, and the purpose of this series is to make sure that at Clawson and in our Clawson family and with your family and with my family, that our foundation is built on the foundation that it has got to be built on. Because if you build on a bad foundation, the rest of the house messes up. And so that's what this series is all about. We've been talking about the, the different weeks have been connecting into the body of Christ, what it looks like to worship in a way that's pleasing to God, the blessings of obedience and the cursings of disobedience, forgiveness, y'all, and the peace and the joy that comes inside of you when you forgive somebody. And then when you're dealing with unforgiveness, the, the, the way that it is, your peace and your joy is stolen from you. And instead, what's inside of you is bitterness and it's anger. Anybody ever experienced that? And so these are the things that we've been talking about. Last week, I, I took a break because me and my wife went to Mexico and my dad preached a phenomenal message on the cross. Anybody was blessed by that? How many of y'all are thankful for the cross? Thankful for what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. Amen. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, the title to the message that we're going to preach to you is The Blessed Hope. That's a very religious term in the Assemblies of God. That's number 12 on our 16 fundamental truths. But let me give it to you in a way that maybe if you don't know what that means, it's the second coming of Jesus. Does anybody believe that Jesus is coming back? Yeah. Oh, come on, y'all. Does anybody believe Jesus is coming back? You know what I found to be kind of, well, it's not comical at all. It's actually a really bad thing. You know what I found to be true, though, is that Christians like to argue about everything. Do you, you ever find that to be true? Especially like denominations. We just like to argue about everything. We're going to argue about once saved, always saved. We're going to argue about if the Holy Spirit is still giving prophetic words and doing the gifts of the Spirit today. If, I speak, if someone, someone speaks in tongues, if it's of the devil or if it's of Jesus, we're going to argue. Hey, as stupid as it is, we're going to argue that if you don't get baptized this specific way, you're going to burn in hell. 
Literally, we argue, Christians argue about the dumbest things. Amen? Come on, y'all. I should get a better amen from Clausen on that one. Christians argue about the dumbest things, but you know what we don't argue about? I love this. Nobody, we don't argue about what I'm preaching about today. Now, we may argue about some of the things in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelations, but if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, if you're somebody that believes the word of God and what Jesus says, none of us are arguing that one day Jesus Christ is going to return for his people. If you're going to talk about basics, that's one of the one things that we don't argue about. It's basic. He's coming back for us. Somebody shout glory. glory. I want to read you probably the most known text when it comes to Jesus coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And as you're turning, I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for what you do. Father, your word says that no one can come to the Father unless your spirit draws. I just pray that your spirit would draw right now. God, I pray that the word that I'm speaking today is not my word, but it's your word. I pray that you would use me as a vessel, as a piece of dirt, just to give your word today. Holy Spirit, use me. Give me the words to say. God, I pray that you would speak to every single person here. Your word says, let them who has ears, let them hear. Father, and I pray that you would let us hear exactly what you have for us this morning. In your precious name, I pray. And everybody said... Amen. First Thessalonians chapter four. Here we go. I love this text, y'all. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. And it says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught in the clouds to meet him in the air, to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord. Help me out. Forever. I got to ask, is anybody ready for that day? What an amazing picture, y'all. Now walk through this with me. It says, first of all, the Lord himself. In other words, no substitute will do. The Lord Jesus himself, just close your eyes for a second and picture this with me. The heavens open up, the clouds open up. The Lord Jesus himself becomes descending through the clouds with a shout. I believe he's getting our attention. With a shout. Okay, you can open your eyes. Listen, when I say that, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. If I had hair on my head, the hair on the back of my head would stand up, but I ain't got that. And so the neck hair stands up. You know why it stands up? Because when I read this, it gives me tingles, y'all. I've lived the last 16 years of my life looking for this day that Jesus is going to boom right through the clouds and shout out, hey, my people, let's go. Man, that excites 12 of y'all. Come on. If you are a Christian person, you're like, yes, baby, I'm ready for that day. Somebody say amen. Amen. Look at what Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 says. It says, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? It's right after Jesus ascended. 
It says Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he's going to return from heaven the same exact way that he went to heaven. You know how he went to heaven? The Bible says that he took off. He just started floating, and he ascended right into heaven, and he's coming back by descending, breaking through the clouds, shouting with the voice of an archangel. Let's keep going. And then it says this, the great trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's not fair, y'all. They get to go first. <laughs> the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive and will remain. I'm going to be honest with you. This is my favorite part. You know why? Some of y'all think that I'm crazy because I go skydiving. Y'all know why I go skydiving? Because when we take off into the air, I've already been practicing. <laughs> I'm going to be doing somersaults, and I'm going to be doing backflips, and I'm going to be doing all. Y'all know what y'all going to be doing? I'm just kidding, y'all. Actually, part of me is kidding. But I love to go. You know why I like to go skydive? Because it gives me that feeling of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back, except it's the opposite. Instead of descending to the ground, I'm going to be flying up to see Jesus. And that excites me, church. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea when Jesus is coming back, and neither do you. But I really do hope it's, it's while I'm living. Because can you imagine, can you imagine being here on the earth when he breaks through the clouds, when he shouts, hearing that trumpet blow, and then all of a sudden, whoo, there we go. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Mm. By the way, y'all, this event that's going to take place is going to forever change the course of history. You know what's taking place? God is literally separating the godly people from the ungodly people. And those ungodly people are going to be on earth for a long time more. He's separating the godly from the other. This event is literally the event that Christians have been waiting for for 2,000 plus years. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I'm going to ask this question. Why has it taken 2,000 plus years? That's a question all Christians have been asking for forever. Lord, you see the earth. Be nice if you're going to come. Anybody ever been there? Why? Why is it taking him so long? Look at this. In in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, his promise of coming back, as some people think. You ever thought about that? Dang, why are you taking so long? It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Because he doesn't want anyone destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Oh, church, you've got to get this. You've got to see this. We should not just be chilling down here on earth waiting for him to come back. It says he's not sitting up there waiting. What he's doing is he's being patient because what he wants to make sure of is that everyone has had a chance to give their life to him. And just like every one of us in this room, I hope, have given our lives to him, then we should be out there extending that same invitation to every single person that we can come in contact with. Why? Because that's exactly why he's waiting. You want Jesus to hurry up and come back? Go ahead and tell the whole world about him. And then he'll be ready. Amen? Let's keep going. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter also 
It talks about the fact that in the last days there will be scoffers and there will be doubters. Y'all ever hear anybody scoffing at just the thought of Christ coming back? Anybody in here ever doubt that Jesus, I'm the only person? I got some liars in this room. Y'all better be up here for the altar call. That's all I got to say. Anybody ever doubt? Listen, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, here's what it says. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. You know, growing up in church, literally until I was 19, I didn't get saved until I was 19, I actually understand the mindset of the doubters and the scoffers pretty well, because that was, that was me. And so I feel like a big part of what I'm supposed to do as a person is prove to people that are doubters and that are scoffers that just like God revealed himself to me, if you will be open and if you will seek him out. And the Lord says, those who draw close to me, I will draw close to them. It's not, it's not maybe, it is yes. And so I understand scoffing at religious things. I understand doubting religious things. I understand being in church and seeing things manipulated and, and being fake. And so because I was a doubter and a scoffer, my heart goes out to, I feel sorry. I don't get mad at them. I feel sorry for them. And I believe that Jesus is the same way. He's not mad at them. You know what Jesus prayed for the people on the cross? He said, they know not what they do. You know why they're scoffing and why they're doubting? Because they know not what they do. And if they knew it and if they could just understand it and if they could grasp it, then they would stop. Can we, hey, can we just take a second to pray for them? Heavenly Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person in Angelina County that doubts who you are. I pray for every person, God, around Clawson that doubts who you are. Help us to be that light to show them that you are real. Help us as a church, Father, to be the, the light that you've called us to be, to be your hands and feet. Father, I pray for the scoffers and the doubters. I pray for people that doubt who you are in the church and that you're coming back, that you would just make yourself known to them. God, I don't rebuke them. I don't come against them. They are not my enemy. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would show them who you are. Show them through your church that you love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, for all of those that doubt and the scoffers, Jesus actually, there's like 90 plus verses in the Bible that talk about either the rapture of Christ or the second coming of Christ. Anything from uh, no one knows the day or the hour. It will be as it was in the day of Noah in the end times. Anybody ever heard that? I mean, I can, there's, there's tons of them. Verses about watching and praying and being ready. Verses about being wise and being unwise or being wise and being foolish. Verses where Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. I mean, all through scripture, there's 90 plus verses where Jesus is talking about his second coming. You will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Christ being the first fruits. And after that, those who are in Christ will be raised. Everybody say they're all through the Bible. In the New Testament, there's 90 plus of them. It goes on and on and on and on and on. You know what my, fa my favorite one is? I'm going to read you my favorite one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 says this. Y'all, there's a lot of scripture in this message. I'm just going to go ahead and be honest. 
In fact, it just gets deeper in just a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says this, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be more pitied than anyone else on the earth. Let me give you Josh Bogg's translation. If our hope in Christ dies with us on earth, there's literally no point to what we're doing. Amen? We've done all this for nothing. If it dies here. But if you keep going in this chapter, I want to read to you verses 20 through 26. Everybody say, but. But, in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead, raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because of, we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be, new, will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised from the dead as the first. Everybody say the first. Then all who belong to him will be raised. Then verses 24 and 25 talk about how he will conquer his enemies. And 26 says this. And the last enemy to be conquered, to be destroyed, is death. Y'all, those are some of the most hopeful verses in the entire Bible. First, it says Christ is, it says, if, the, if, if, if this doesn't happen, then what we're doing is pointless. But... It is going to happen. What's going to happen? First of all, Christ has been raised from the dead. He was the first to experience this resurrection. And then when he comes back, all of those who are in Christ will also experience this resurrection. And then Jesus is going to whoop up on every enemy that's ever attacked your life and my life and his life. He's going to whoop them up and he's going to kill them and death will be destroyed. Somebody give Jesus a victory clap. He's, he's given us that so that we won't doubt. He's shown us that. As a matter of fact, I, I was having this conversation with a young man this week. He was talking about his science books, and he was talking about how do I know that the word is, is, is true. And I said, hey, this is a really easy way to know that, 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 that the Bible is, is true. Every, about every five to ten years, our science books have to change. You know why our science books have to change? Because they're wrong. You know why? Because man wrote them. But you know what book has never had to change because it's never been wrong? This book has never had to change. You know why? Because the, the Bible says that these scriptures are inspired by God. And where people are dumb and people are wrong, he ain't dumb and he ain't wrong. And he wrote this book. And we can know that it's true. And we can know that it's going to happen because it's true. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, y'all. It's time to get into the... The hard part of the message. For the remainder of the message, I want us to stay in Matthew 24 and 25. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not trying to scare anyone, but these are tough scriptures. When you look at the parables of Jesus talking about his return, it's scary. Everybody say scary. It's scary for those that are unwise. It's scary for those that are foolish. It's scary for those that have not stewarded what God has told us to steward the right way. It's scary, y'all. And I'm not doing this. I'm not that pastor that, like, I'm trying to scare the hell out of you, get you on this emotional high, I get you on this emotional high to get you to the, to get you to the altar. That's not me. I'm not that guy. 
But I am gonna preach, I am gonna preach the truth to you, and the, tr- the truth is hard here, y'all. And the reason that I'm preaching it is because I'm concerned about people and their souls. And so because I'm concerned about you and your souls, I gotta give you the hard stuff. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25. And before we get there, I just want to say this is the most dealing with the coming back of our Savior. This is honestly the most pressing topic to deal with. And that is the question is, are we ready for his return? Are we ready for the return of Christ? Because for those of us that aren't ready, it's not a blessed hope. It's a judgment time. And so this, this question I want us to deal with, are we ready? I want to read before we get to Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 says this. And this is a scary scripture for me, y'all. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, and I want you to underline or highlight this next uh, sentence. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. And then verse 23, on judgment day, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Man, y'all, that's tough. Amen? They never knew him they was running around preaching Jesus, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And the, and, and, and the Bible says they will not enter the kingdom of heaven because they didn't actually know Jesus. Whew. That makes me sweat. Anybody else? So, so let's dig into this. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter Heaven, I believe with all of my heart that there's going to be tons and tons and tons of people on the day where Jesus comes back that they think that they're going to be flying up to meet Jesus in the air, but because they don't actually know Jesus, maybe they know of Jesus, maybe they've heard of Jesus, maybe they've said a sinner's prayer, maybe they've thought because somebody taught them the wrong thing that they were going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but because he doesn't know them, the Bible says that they're not going to go. And so I think this topic is so important for us to deal with. Amen? Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 24, we're going to go through the parables together of Jesus coming back, what it looks like. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. I'm going to read a lot, so stay with me. It says, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Isn't it crazy, y'all? Jesus don't even know when Jesus is coming back. And you got all these theologians trying to predict the coming of Jesus. 88 reasons he's coming in 88 and this and this and this and this. Everybody trying to say that they know when Jesus is coming back because he did this and this and this time frame. And so it just makes sense. Listen, I can promise you Jesus is not going to come back when they say he's going to come back because he's not going to give them that. Jesus don't even know. When Jesus is coming back. Okay, let's keep going. Where are we at? When the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the days of Noah. In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is how it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. Whew. 
two men will be working together in a field. One will be taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too, listen to this, highlight this, underline it. You must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. And you also must be ready at the time for the son of men will come when least expected. That means if everybody's predicting it, it ain't coming then. When least expected. This scripture informs us a lot. It informs us, first of all, that the generation that's going on at the time that Jesus comes back is going to be very similar to the generation of Noah. Of, yes, Noah. Which was, they were only thinking about themselves. They were straying away from God. They were partying. They, hey, you know what I've heard the most in the last three years? Hey, you do you. You do you. You do you. Anybody ever hear that? You, do, you follow your heart. You do whatever your heart wants you to do. Listen, that's not a good idea. Amen? You know what you do, you is saying? That I don't care what he wants. I'm doing what I want. And this is what the Bible says. Well, it will look like at the day when the Son of Man returns. It's going to be very similar to the day of Noah. How many of y'all see a little parallels? in the world that we're living in now, and then the world that was going on back then. You know, it's crazy because we have the history of what happened in Noah's generation, and we still, we're like the Israelites. We're still dumb. Amen? So it tells us that he's going to come when least expected. And then without skipping a beat, y'all, we jump to the very next verse of Scripture And it's the parable of the wise and the unwise servant. I want to read this to you because I want you to understand how big of a deal that it is to Jesus that his people are ready when he comes back. Okay, let's read this together. It says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Everybody say reward. He's talking about what? Heaven. Everybody say heaven. He's talking about heaven. Okay, Jesus is the master. The reward is heaven. Okay, then I tell you the truth. The the master will put the servant in charge of all that he owns. Everybody say reward. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, eh, my master's not going to be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants. He begins partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. You know why? Because the servant was not prepared for the master to return. He returns unannounced and unexpected. Listen to this. And he will cut the servant into pieces. Yeah. And assign him a place with the hypocrites. That is in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is hell. So Jesus is telling us this this parable because he wants us to understand what it's going to look like on the day that he returns. He has wise servants. And what happens if you are a wise servant when Jesus comes back and you've been wise and you've been stewarding everything that God has given you right and you have followed him and you've believed him and you've done the will of the Father, what he's he's going to do is he's going to reward you. What's the reward? The reward's heaven. 
I'm going to heaven. I'm going, but thank you, Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But if it's a people, and notice this was his people. The Bible says this was his servant. In other words, this is a believing person that at one time maybe was following the Lord, doing what he wanted if he was not wise and he decided to just not pay attention to what the master wanted for his life. And instead of following the master, now he turns and he decides, I'm just going to do my own thing because he ain't going to be back for a while. So I'm just going to decide to party and I'm going to decide to step out of the will. So that, that, that word will. I decide to step out of the will that God has for me and do my own thing and be stupid and go back to worldly things instead of what Jesus has for me. The, the Bible says that when he returns, listen to this, he will take and he will cut that servant into pieces and he will put him in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Somebody say that's serious. Again, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want us to understand the significance of these parables and what it means for Jesus' second coming. When we hear Jesus' second coming, it pumps us up and it gets us excited. But it also makes us need to evaluate doing God's will for our lives. Okay, so let's keep going. Without skipping a beat, we go to the parable of the bridesmaids. There's 10 bridesmaids. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time because we still got a lot to go through. There's 10 bridesmaids. Let me just tell you what it says. It says, y'all know what 10 bridesmaids means? That means these were people that all of them he wanted. Okay? They were all going to be married to him. That's, everybody say that's his people. Okay. There's 10 bridesmaids. And the Bible says that five of them were wise and they brought extra oil for their candles so that if their candle's about to blow out, they're making sure that that light is shining because Jesus said that we need to shine. Somebody say amen. amen. So you got five wise bridesmaids. And then you have five that the Bible calls them foolish. Everybody say foolish. foolish. And they just decided, eh, I'm not going to take the oil. I'm not going to make sure that my light's continuing to burn. I'm not going to be prepared when my groom returns. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he came and the five wise ones were ready. And he took the five wise ones, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to where he was going to marry them. And you know what happened to the five that did, were not prepared for the groom to return? He did not take them. And they said, oh, let us get some of your oil to the other five wise ones. And they said, no, 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 no. We're going to make sure that we got enough for ourselves. I'm sorry, but I ain't doing that. I ain't going to be like you because I was wise and I was ready. And so then they went to go buy some oil and they got left. And here's the very last verse that I want to read you out of that one. Matthew 25, 13 says, so you, everybody say me. So you must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Amen. Then again, without missing a beat, y'all, he's, he's preaching hard. Without missing a beat, he goes right into the parable of the talents. It's one of my favorite parables. The Bible says he takes talents and he gives talents, five talents to Scott. And he gives two talents to Michelle. And he gives one talent. Oh, I'll say to me so I can be the bad one. He gives one talent to me. And he says, while I'm gone, I want you to take what I've given you. And I want you to steward it well. And then he leaves. And the one with five talents multiplies the talents. And he goes out and he invests. And he does well with what his master gave him. 
and he gets 10 bags of silver. And the one with two talents, she does well with what the master gave him. And she gets four bags of silver. And the guy that was not wise dug a hole and he shoved his talent in the hole because he was scared. Because he, didn't, he, he, he was not faithful. He was not wise. He was, he was foolish. Everybody say foolish. And the Bible says that the master came back. And the master comes. Listen to this. In every single parable, the wise get rewarded. The faithful get rewarded. Those that are paying attention and watching and doing what they're supposed to be doing, they get rewarded. And the people that are foolish, they don't just not get rewarded. They get judged. They get cut into pieces. Everybody say, this is serious. So the master comes back. And he says, I want everyone to give an account for your life. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account for your life. And so the one with 10 bags of silver jumps up and he runs up and he says, hey, man, I took the five bags that you gave me. And now I've got you 10 bags because they weren't my bags in the first place. Here you go. And he says, oh, man, you have been good to me. You have done well with what I've given you. I'm now because you've been faithful with a little, I'm going to give you more. And he takes that one and he blesses him and he rewards him. And then he takes the one with two bags and he blesses and rewards. You know why? Because they were faithful. They stayed. They watched. They did what they were supposed to do. They were wise. And then he gets to the third servant. Y'all, I don't want to be that servant. He gets to the third servant. And this is what he says, Matthew 25, 28 through 30. It says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten. Bags of silver. In our day, we would say that's not fair. In our day, we say take from the rich and give to everybody else. Even though they don't want to work or they don't want to, we just give to them. That's anti-Bible, y'all. Sorry. (laughs) Take the one from that servant and give to the one with 10 bags. To those who do well with what they are given, they will be given. Even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, take, listen to this. Take and throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The return of Jesus is coming. There are those who are going to be wise and rewarded, and there are those who are going to be foolish and condemned and judged. There's one more group of scriptures that he ends on, and it's tough. The whole thing up to this point has been tough. It's because the Bible's tough sometimes. And, and I want us to end on this text, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to dig into it. It says this, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels come with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. Everybody say he's coming back. And all of the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people. Listen, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats, he will place the sheep at his right hand and he will place the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right. I love this. Everybody say rewarded. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, 
and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? I love this. And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Everyone on the right got rewarded, but that's not over. Then the Bible says he turns to those on his left and he says to them, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? Now listen to what he says to them. And he will answer and say, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. This parable is both difficult to read and it's difficult to interpret. However, I think that the conclusion is crystal clear. God wants his people to help people in need. He wants his people to be his hands and feet. And if we're not being his hands and feet, we should not classify ourselves as his people. Y'all, that's, that's tough stuff. You know, there's a number of scriptures in the Bible that says something like this. If you know that Jesus is coming back, that truth should impact the way that you live and the things that we do. If I know that I'm going to have to answer for my life, then that should direct the direction of my life. So, Amen? Only those who do the will of the Father in heaven will enter heaven. I do want to go back and say this morning, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare anyone. And I'm not telling you what his will for you is. Only God can tell you what his will for you is. There is a lot of things that we know 100% are his will for us to do. Be his hands and feet. Follow his teachings. If we follow his teachings, then we build our life on the bedrock of Jesus Christ. My intention this morning is in no way to make you question your salvation. Okay? What I want to make sure that you're doing is making sure that I'm living my life according to his will. Because those who follow his will for my life, you know what? The thief on the cross is a prime example of following his will. Jesus' will for that man was to believe 
that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't, he didn't have time to help anyone. He didn't get to serve. He didn't get to steward anything. His will at that moment was to believe that Jesus was the son of God. And he got to go to heaven simply by believing that Jesus was the son of God. The disciples followed the will of Jesus Christ for their lives. When I'm out of the will of God, I'm choosing not to follow his will. Amen? It's not a prayer that saves me. It's his will. It's following in what God has for me. Those who do the will of the Father, those who are my hands and feet, those who follow my direction, those who build their life on my teaching and on my word, those people will inherit the reward that I have for them because they've been wise. But everybody else is in trouble. Amen? Y'all, it's so quiet in here. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I was, I was reading the last portion, the last six pages of my notes to Brian. And he just, but you know how Brian does like that chuckle thing that he does? <laughs> uh, so he did all that. I was like, what's so funny? And he was like, this message is titled The Blessed Hope. And I was like, well, yeah. Listen, because those of us that are wise, those of us that are following his will, those of us that have given our life to just, and listen, I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. Every one of us make mistakes. Every one of us are dumb. But as long as we're making mistakes, continuing to follow his will, as long as I'm following the path that he has for me, as long as I'm walking out my salvation daily, as long as I'm doing what God's called me to be, I'm still going to be human. I'm still going to make mistakes. But the blessed hope is the fact that he's already done everything for me and that I'm, heaven is going to be my home. And that is the hope. Without that hope, we got nothing. Without that hope, my whole life is pointless. Amen? Amen. So it is exciting. But it also makes us go back and make sure that we are in his will. Because Satan is really stinking good at pulling people out of God's will. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team to step out and come and join me. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close out? Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite our altar team to come up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <laughs> I want to ask a couple of questions. And I'm just going to ask you, would you search your own heart? Don't think about anybody else in the room. That's the worst thing you could do. Just think about you and where you're at. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Right now, are you walking in the will of God? Are you following me? I'm not asking, are you making mistakes? I'm asking, maybe, maybe years ago, maybe years ago, you, you gave your life to the Lord and, and you walked away. Because just like I can choose Jesus, I can choose to not follow him. I know from my own experiences. Maybe right now where you're at in your life is years ago, Maybe you had some kind of crazy cool experience with the Lord and you felt the presence of God and, and you said some kind of prayer and, 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 and you feel like you gave yourself to Jesus, but you have not been walking out his will. Maybe for a little while there was transformation and you had some cool things going and then something happened. Maybe circumstances caused you to question your faith. 
maybe you fell back into temptation like James talks about. And you found yourself, what James says, that, that our temptation comes, sinful desires come from our, 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 our natural temptations. And when we give into those selfish desires, those temptations, those fleshly things, that it gives birth to sin. And when we allow sin to grow, it gives birth to death. Maybe that's where you've been. You've, you've done this whole, I followed Jesus, but I fell into temptation and I felt like I was the worst person on earth and I just decided to walk away from him. Listen, today I wanna encourage you by telling you, he's still here for you. And he's saying, I don't care what you've done. I still wanna be your dad. I still wanna wrap my arms around you and love you. I still have a place for you in my kingdom. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never said a prayer. Maybe you've been a doubter and a scoffer. And today you're like, man, I really, I really, I just feel like the Lord's tugging at my heart. And I wanna try this whole Jesus thing. I wanna give my life to him and I wanna allow him to transform and change me into what he has for me to be. Maybe this morning your decision is I need to, I need to jump into the will of God. Maybe today you're here and you need pray, prayer for something completely different. Maybe you're just going through a lot or maybe you need healing. Listen, here's what I know. I know God is here to do whatever it is that you need. Maybe you need chains of addiction broken off of you. Maybe you need to be delivered. Maybe you need some encouragement. Listen, if you're here today and you want to give yourself back to him and align your will with his will, or if you need prayer, or if you need encouragement, or if you just want to step out and come up to the front and have some time by yourself with Jesus, as we begin to sing this song right now, listen, don't allow Satan to stop you from getting what you want to get from God this morning. Right now, as we begin to play this song, would you step out and come?